Welcome to Brave Talks, a collection of conversations around the business of creativity. I'm Anthony Reiske, the digital producer for Brave, and joining me is Gabe, the founder of Brave, and PJ Asatur, a filmmaker and storyteller. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So PJ, I've known you for, geez, how long? Too many, too long. A decade, <laughs> maybe? Many. Yeah. And you guys go back. Yeah, this might be, this might be the first- I met both of you actually around the same time. This is, no, this is, this is what I'm going to claim right now. This is our first guest that I've known longer than you. And I want, oh, yeah, I want that win. I want- yeah, you can, you can have it. You can have it. Um, PJ and I are closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, but we, we're, but, but PJ and I are tighter. I don't think I follow Anthony though on mm. any social media platform because the Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you count the cost. <laughs> uh, PJ, so even though we know you uh, well yeah. enough to joke about tabletop role playing games, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> very serious. Matters. Can you, can you get our listeners caught up and just sort of who you are, tell us your story and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, well, if you give me an hour, I'm happy to do that. No. Uh, <laughs> hey guys, PJ Sturo here. Um, I am a filmmaker primarily, um, but also an art- entrepreneur and um, really storyteller. Uh, my story started back uh, many moons ago when I was in West Africa and uh, got to work on a hospital ship uh, at, at 18 years old, loved photography, and, and sure enough, found myself first day I'm on the ship for six months, National Geographic comes on board and says, hey, our photographer didn't make it. They think I'm the receptionist at the front. And they say, can you send your photographer on our shoot with us tomorrow? We got a story to run for next week. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll send him. I'll tell him. I'll him <laughs> Is that your voice back then? That's for sure. It's like high, still my voice. Just a little higher yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, sure enough, the next day, we're in the operating room. And this woman has like a tumor the size of like a basketball on her face. Wow. And it's like this 18-hour surgery, wow. and they're doing the filming, and um, they still think I'm the assistant. They're like, just let us know when he gets here. And I'm like, taking <laughs> photos. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I guess I'm just filling in for now. Oh, and and then, but then I showed them the photos later, and they're like, holy crap, these are awesome. And uh, sent them to them and got published in National Geographic That's at awesome. 18. Yeah. So that was the, the start into my crazy career. Uh, moved to Australia for a year to learn um, filmmaking at Hillsong College. And then, uh, you know, just been doing freelance work for really the last 10 years. Started in documentary and then realized uh, documentary doesn't pay for anything. So, <laughs> of course, then had to shift to uh, commercial work. Um, worked with a company called uh, Diamond View, which we did stuff for the Atlanta Braves and the Buccaneers. Got to shoot a Super Bowl. It's not a Super Bowl commercial, but it's about the Super Bowl. So I don't know if I'm a Super Bowl director or not. 100%. Uh, Why do you have to question that? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I saw that on TV yesterday and I was like, holy crap, that's my spot. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I've had some cool highs in my career. I totally randomly had a YouTube channel that I grew with my dad whose name's VoiceOver Pete and we grew to a million subscribers in six months. <laughs> So that was nuts. Uh, and and uh, I met Tom Cruise's producer on Clubhouse last week. And I cold pitched him on my movie and had a call with him the next day. He, he's really interested in the film we're developing. 
And so I got in touch with Ubisoft yesterday and they're also talking about our movie and then Epic Games is next week. So <laughs> crazy stuff's been happening, but uh, just I'm along for the journey. So happy to happy to be here, guys. You're like AMC stock. You're just taking off. No, GameStop. The, game, they're all, you know. <laughs> they're all going <laughs> to crash gonna, yeah. by the time the podcast okay, well, is in, released. In that yeah. way, you're not like them. <laughs> no, Very probably different. that too. No, no, I hope not. <laughs> PJ is really fun because whenever, you know, we don't talk too often, but every now and then I'm like, hey, what's going on? What does work look like? And he's like, yeah, I'm, you know, packing up, going out to a yacht because I have to oh, do yeah. this, shoot for a yacht, and I have to spend the whole day on a yacht. Yeah, it's, it's a rough life, but I survive. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, so we've been talking a little bit, um, and I think your story kind of draws us out um, and sort of illuminates us a little bit, but you've had this unique journey from freelance to agency. Um, you've kind of been all over the board, and I think um, something unique about you and your story is that you've learned a lot, uh, you have a lot of takeaways from that. So I'd love to just kind of hear some of your thoughts on maybe going back and forth on that continuum of you know, freelance to agency, maybe even back and what that's been like for you. Yeah, I think that's the like, the start, it'll certainly it seems like the starter question. If you're like, if this is Pokemon, this is your starter Pokemon. Like you have to figure <laughs> out, do, you know, you're a young artist slash creator, you know, do I want to work for an agency or do I want to work for myself? And they're both really legitimate options as we've seen. You know, I've certainly floated back and forth over the years between the two because I think there's a lot of pros and cons to both I would say one, it's a lot harder to get in bed with agencies because they've got low retention or high retention, low turnover for the most part. Sure. Um, a lot of competition out there. Everyone's got, you know, a camera or laptop or, you know, whatever the your entrepreneur created creator role is. There's there's a lot of competition out there. Um, so it's hard to get in bed with agencies. At the same time, it's hard to do freelancing because you have to have a totally different skill set than sort of your role as a creator sure. for the most part. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're doing sales, you're doing, you know, a lot of bookkeeping, numbers, client retention, project management, you know, all that, all that stuff. So it's an interesting road. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love to open up. I mean, you guys know more than most on what's the right road. You know, it's, it's, di- it's different for everyone, but there is a, there is some, some tips to know, you know, for anyone who's starting out with that too. Yeah, let me ask the question, um, you know, when you were in your initial kind of freelance phase, um, you know, I'm assuming, you know, you, like you said, you got into the, that lane because you had this skill in photography and maybe that morphed into videography. Um, in that first stint as a freelancer, um, what was the most unnatural part of sort of like the business uh, umbrella that you have to maintain to, you know, ac- acquire clients like you said, manage the projects, do the bookkeeping, so on and so forth. And then how long was it before you, uh, you know, saw an opportunity at an agency and said, you know what, let me try my hand at a bigger system where I can learn and glean and get exposed to things and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everything as a creator and I'll use the word artist and creator kind of loosely and intertwined. um, It all comes down to having a niche you know, no one, so speaking as a filmmaker, but it, you know, really applies to everything, but I'll just speak in the filmmaker sense. No one wants to look at a, a filmmaker's profile and see that they do weddings, that they do documentaries, yeah. that they do comedies, that they do dramas, narrative, all this, you know. Sure. What people who are looking to hire you or people who are looking to work with you typically want is they want 
you to have a niche and then ideally they want your niche to represent the project you're going for. Sure. Uh, when I got repped at uh, an agency that I was working for, they were saying, you know, same story. We, we want six films from you and we don't want them to be all over the board. We, if you want to be a car commercial guy, I need six car. You know, we just need one sure. thing because when the client is going to hire for something, the same way with, you know, when clients come to you, they want to see, Sure. You know, they want to take the risk out yeah. of it. They want to see the, the proofs in the pudding. Yeah. So that's what I just say to all up and coming creators now is find a niche you're passionate about, whether and 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 it can almost be in stages to where you almost have multiple brands. Like you, only weddings are usually what people start off as. Sure. So they start with weddings and then they do a second brand because they're really passionate about food. They're a foodie. So then they have a whole like feed full of, you know, their own passion projects. And then the, that spec work eventually gets good enough to where it can become real work. And that's a great way to pivot into that niche for them. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think that's such a, a missed cue um, for a lot of young creatives is the importance of specialization. Right. Um, and I think, you know, when, when people get into the game and they want to collaborate with a ton of cool brands and agencies and so on and so forth, um, they make the mistake of trying to be all things to all men. And, and they think, well, if I have a wedding and a music video and, you know, uh, a car commercial and all these different disparate pieces in my portfolio, then there'll be something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And like, to your point, you know, then there's actually nothing for nobody. (laughs) And, uh, and so specialization actually makes you more collaborative. It de-threatens, so to speak, the whole competitive landscape as people see you through, because, um, you know, and I've mentioned this on this podcast, like when Brave first came on the scene, that was my my nature. I mean, I, I my background was more brand and UX, but I I pushed us to get into video and into marketing and all these sort of not I don't want to say disparate services. They were sort of complementary, but to one creative, it's disparate because how can you be amazing and all those different things? And so we became um, you know your traditional end to end you know full service agency, and that worked for a time. But the amount of energy that we were expending to hold that place and like, you know, tread that water was exhausting and it was highly unprofitable. Mm-hmm. And so a few years ago when we realized we're really, really good at web, we're better than most at web, we're, we're good or decent at some of these other things like, you know, videography or this and that. Let's just cut the fat. Let's go all in and let's be known for this. And what's funny is that opened up way more opportunities to collaborate, not just with clients, but with um, with other agencies or other partners because now they weren't worried that we would, you know, be Mr. Steer, your client, you know what I mean? Right, because you're not marketing. Exactly. You're not doing marketing. Exactly. Stuff, yeah. And so now you're actually getting yourselves into bigger, bigger boardrooms, you know, bigger opportunities because most, what we've found, unless you are in that realm of like AOR where, you know, a large brand is looking for an agency of record that is large enough and has international offices to, you know, fulfill the need. Most of the time, you know, brands like Nike and so on and so forth. That's why every agency in the world has Nike under their client list now, it seems like. It's like mm-hmm. easier than ever to have Google as your client, to have mm-hmm. Apple, because these brands use hundreds of agencies a year on different initiatives. Smart. Yeah. And so now you're making yourself more available as specialists because they're not going to, I mean, because it's a dying breed, in my opinion, the, the large sort of international, multinational, multi-site agency. Right. Nowadays, it's like, let's get the young a group of like SEAL Team 6 guys and gals who have only focused on AR or, right. or or VR and we need to do this crazy activation and they're the guys, you know. 
Yeah, and and you, you know now with the global landscape of so many and and awesome like software development companies and stuff coming out of the Philippines, coming out of Vietnam, and all these you know sure. sort of developing countries. You're yeah, you're right. The the days of being a one stop shop for everything are numbered because it's going to be cheaper in many ways. Of course. And but it's now in a new position to where like these AORs are are being really essentially project management agencies. Sure, yeah, to where then, it's strategy you know, exactly. More than execution. Yeah. Yeah. the brand knows that. Whoever they subcontract, it almost doesn't matter because exactly. they trust. It's the brain. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about next steps. Let's get kind of practical with this, right? So we have two entities that we're talking about. There's the freelancer and the agency. And I think, you know, this conversation and this topic looks different for both of them. So I'd love if you two could speak into this topic for both of those two people. So what does it look like for freelancers? Maybe we start there. And then what does it look like for agencies? So as a freelancer, I feel like low-hanging fruit is always starting niche like we just talked about. But I think also sort of being, I'm going to use a Christian term called being bivocational, where you (laughs) have your feet in sort of two disparate camps um, where it's you need to make money as a freelancer and that doesn't matter what it is. Selling drugs, doing, no, I'm just kidding. Like, (laughs) it doesn't matter what you do to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I was just gonna. Hey, yeah, I was no, gonna I progressively get worse with that, but that's I. That's the first on this early. podcast where, in, within the span of thirty seconds, we, we use a Christian word and then <laughs> we say sell drugs. <laughs> no, it was it was getting worse after that. Self censored. Um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, you need to figure out how do you provide because this is a whole other tangent. But I mean, I almost lost my marriage two years ago when I was so focused on my art that I totally through entrepreneurship to the side, had a bad business model, was not pursuing projects that made money and, you know, nearly went bankrupt, nearly lost marriage, nearly lost everything. Sure. And I had to realize I am going to screw myself over in the long run as an artist by being so much of an artist that I forget the tenets of entrepreneurship. Sure. Yeah, that's good. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother tangent, but I think that's worth noting that you just, you have to figure out how do I pay my bills regardless of what it is, whether it's working at Starbucks or whether it's some sort of sub niche of what you do, like in the case of weddings, you know, shooting weddings. Um, but then also have a brand on the side that you're still growing your long-term. I think, I think that's all what entrepreneurship is and that's all what being a creator is. You need short-term plays that make money for now and, and, and provide runway for you. And then you need long-term plays that give you vision, that give you purpose, that give you hope. So that's that's what I would say. You know, I'm curious what you think any other low-hanging fruit for freelancers on how to get to that next level. Yeah, and we actually talked about this in one of our last episodes with Stefan Sherman from Iron Man. Um, you know, and, and it's just understanding that for the creative, for the artist, for the freelancer, and all those words kind of mixed together, you know, you are providing a value and that value needs to solve a problem. If it's not solving a problem, then you might have a luxury brand on your hands. And most freelancers don't, have luxury brand services, right? I mean, if you're not starting there, like Apple as a brand didn't start with a $500 watch. They had to work their way up through establishing, you know, value and all these other products that were more utility products. Now they're selling, you know, wireless uh, AirPods that are, you know, pretty expensive that are just as functional, let's say, as the wired that come free in every phone, or well, they used to at least, um, but now they've elevated their brand because they've they've understood their market and so on and so forth. And so for the freelancer, when you're just starting, 
I think that's one of the core tenets that, you know, you can't even specialize if you don't know what problem you're solving because you might specialize down to serve an audience that, and, and solve a problem that actually isn't there. And that's, that's what I see. Uh, I saw it in myself and I see it with a lot of other freelancers that I work with is um, they are solving a problem that no one wants to solve or no one even has, you know? And so they get in their echo chamber and they work on their, their positioning and their websites and their, their marketing and their, their craft and their, you know, and, and this is all great stuff, by the way, like they're, they're taking courses or reading books or this, that, and the other. And so what I think uh, a freelancer can do it's a very simple and sort of free exercise to, um, to, to bring some, some language to that problem that they're solving is to just, you know, if you have a whiteboard or just a piece of paper, you know, take a, take a minute, zoom out, put a timer on the board even literally so that it's time boxed and you have some urgency there and look around, you know, look at the market, look at your friend group, your colleagues, whatever unfair advantage that you have even, you know, in terms of like unique relationships with whoever and whatever, and try to outline some gaps, some needs, and then take inventory, more importantly, of yourself and what you have on the shelf and see if there's alignment, see if there's symbiosis. Because also, I also see, you know, you could have a problem that needs to be solved um, and you reach for the wrong product, you know? So you've got the right problem, but you don't actually have it in your wheelhouse to give. And so Mm. an example of that is, you know, again, in the early days of Brave, we were doing a lot of e-commerce, a lot of packaging stuff, and we started getting into like financial uh, forecasting and, and building pro formas uh, because, you know, we needed to help our clients sort of budget out um, if they were going to make money on, you know, this packaging or that packaging. And then once that packaging came in, we were doing drop tests to see if, you know, the contents of the bas- of the package would, you know, withhold a certain amount of wear and tear. And uh, there was a, a hilarious moment where like I'm outside with my iPhone filming a drop test in the alley here next to the office, <laughs> dropping like glass in a box. And I'm thinking like, what are we doing? <laughs> How did we get here? We make websites, man. Like yeah. this is crazy. Yeah. Now that project in particular, I mean, we did a great job and we shipped it and it was a success, but it doesn't mean that we had any business providing that value. And, and that was a problem that we didn't need to solve that we could have partnered outward with. But again, we were trying to be all things. And so I think that first step for the freelancer of surveying the market, understanding the problem, surveying yourself, taking inventory of what you know, value you have to give, and then you know, meeting the two and, and packaging it up in great messaging, understanding that you, know, you need a clear value proposition. You, know, you need to get the message out we could go on and on and, and go through the full life cycle. But I think starting there, like what's the problem I'm solving and can I solve it? <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I think that's great. Really engaging the opportunities there around you. You know, we're, we're, I think you, we're all trying to find like our, our niche, our sweet spot, our genius zone with everything, sure. you know, and you're triangulating your calling, if you will, of like figuring out Venn diagrams of like, yeah. what am I passionate about? What are the opportunities that are around me? And then the third one is... I mean, there were six, but... Gee, give me a Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you need to look at your personality, your strengths. You need to look at your, oh, yeah. where I think, you've been I think, in your I life, think your was, experience. Yeah, I think maybe it was what, I was what I'm good at, what I'm passionate about, and then what opportunities are around me. Yeah, sure. and, and whatever the, the center of that is, is, sure. is, is when you're going to find your genius. Zone. So, slight tangent, but fully relevant. I think also figuring out what you love doing and what you're really good at 
So the most scarce resource in your life, I don't think is time. I actually think it's energy slash willpower because we have time for a lot of things, but we don't choose to go, to do those things, mm-hmm. especially on things that we don't want to do. And the brain hack that I've, I've learned is curiosity is probably the number one driving factor of anything. Cause you've tinkered with problems that for far longer than you should have, whether it's <laughs> something on your car. I know for fives, you know, just diving in on some sort of curiosity binge, you'll spend hours on it and it'll feel like it goes in a second sure. and you get a lot of work done. Um, so I think if you can structure your products and your services around things you're intensely curious about, yeah. you're always going to have energy. It's always going to drive you to do that. Okay, so show some love for the agencies. You guys are talking about the freelancer and kind of you know what that looks like. Uh, speak a little Smart, bit into the yeah. agency part. Yeah, so as I was saying earlier, um, you know, in some regards, it's the same advice, right? So we're talking about the importance of knowing thyself, taking inventory of the problems that need to be solved, taking inventory of the value that you have on the shelf to give. Um, and so by definition, if you are an agency, that means that you have at least one or two employees. It means that you have direct clients, that the agreement lists your entity and theirs. And it means that you probably have been around long enough to have some process, to have some infrastructure. You're familiar with bookkeeping and accounting. You know, you, you understand what operations are and, and the importance of them to, the, to your business, cash flow, all of those things. And so if you're an agency trying to um, you know, grow your business. And I like what you said, PJ, that growth isn't always just bigger. Growth is smarter, is leaner, is more profitable. I think you need to understand that um, when you think long, you have more ability to uh, measure the inputs to receive, to, you know, to achieve that output. And so in our case, I knew that even though we were actively operating in a place that I thought, man, I could do this 10 years from now where we're working with huge brands and we're, we're, we're going end to end, you know, we're doing the branding and the web and the application development and the, the marketing and so on and so forth. There was something in me that said, man, I've not like earned this level of complexity yet. I need to simplify first so that I can come back to this when I'm smarter, better, when we have, you know, uh, a more experienced team, you know, some of the nature of where we were was just the fact that like, man, we're, we're like a startup. And half these people were like my friends where I was like, hey, have you ever managed a project? No, uh, you start Monday, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, and we, we did a dang good job being like sort of like Robin Hood's Lost Boys there. But I, I realized that like, I, wa- I, Gabe Lopez as the owner, like I want to learn. I want to have more space and time to be poured into by mm. either mentors or just by like yeah. indirect influencers and, and mentors, meaning the books I read and you know the people that I followed and their content that I consumed. And so in some ways I've taken this detour to build Brave's infrastructure far more um, soundly. And now, and you, you can attest to this, Anthony, like we're, we're just now turning that corner where we feel like we've gotten the molds dialed and we're ready to scale much quicker and with less pain because we've got our directors in place. We've got our process documented. We, I mean, we've got it so documented that we've started this, this side project in Brave View. And now we're, we're taking that same process and democratizing it to our audience uh, in the form of this podcast, in the form of articles and, and soon to be courses and, and paid resources. And so, you know, there's something about planning in, in advance and the virtue of patience, you know, um, th- yeah. that is the biggest key, man. If you know yeah. where you're going, you can be patient and mature enough 
to say, okay, that is for maybe five years from now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put my head down, work really hard, get all my ducks in a row and come back to this. And then at that point, you'll know like, okay, that vision was true because it's still, like you said, it's still making my heart beat faster and I'm still pumped on this. Or you'll know that it's like, okay, that's just like my young man machinations. That's just like indigestion. (laughs) And I didn't really want what I said I wanted. So uh, I guess to summarize that point, it's like, sure, know thyself, but also like write it down, mm. make it plain and, and then hold yourself accountable to it and work backwards. Yeah, I think having a model and a vision and a recipe for success is integral too. Sure. I mean, for whatever you're doing, but you know, like uh, if you're following recipes for success, whether it's literally following another business's, you know, what, what they did, the milestones they did, how they scaled, all those things like, and then you're branding it as your own. You're making it sure. as your own. Like that's what, you know, I see this a lot in the marketing space where, you know, there's so many amazing marketing models of people who are really successful in doing e-commerce and all those things, steal everything and make it uniquely your own, sure. powerfully your own, yep. you know, but it's same with like business models, same with charting, you know, success anywhere. I think you need to be following people who are stages along better with you, study them, you know, break down why, how they're doing it, why they're doing it. So that one, your taste is elevated. Sure. So where you're not settling yeah. for mediocre, That's good. you're, you're really going up there. And then two, so you don't have to make all the mistakes of, you know, mm-hmm. running around, you know, you're exactly. just, you're on that trajectory following them. So essentially agencies focusing in freelancers leveling up, I mm-hmm. think to mm-hmm. contextualize that advice and to know that it's not, because um, I wonder if like, you know, that feels wrong in both camps. Like an agency sure. feels like they should be huge. So it's hard to take that advice. Sure. And then, and then you know, a freelancer is humble, right? And it's, it's just kind of me doing my thing, but, but, but almost taking the, the affirmation and the encouragement to say, no, please feel free to, to level up and to take that next step forward. I think that's really good advice. Yeah, to, to, I really think a big takeaway for, for freelancers is to have a short game and a long game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to provide for your family, for yourself, and, and then you need to have long-term projects, which, which you know, are your five-year plans, your growth, your purpose, why you're doing it. And agencies too, it just looks different. Yeah. That's what you were yeah. saying. Yeah. You were exactly. saying like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I want to do that thing, but let me get those five years yeah. in. Um, and then once I'm, you know, kind of get to it and work hard and grind, let me check back in with me. Yeah in five years and see where I'm at. So I love that. I think, yeah, I think both entities essentially at any given point either have a clarity problem or a competency problem. Mm-hmm. And so you need to kind of understand at every season because it's not always going to be uh, just one or the other. It's going to mm-hmm. sort of oscillate between the two. Sometimes you just literally need to level your skill up because mm-hmm. you're not going to get work if you're not doing good work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and I think we've been in this case more often, we've got a talented team, but we're just sort of lacking clarity. Like, what are we doing? What's what's our goal? What's our vision? What are, what are we going to be known for? It's kind of like the hedgehog, uh, hedgehog concept of like, what's the one thing that we're going to be better than everyone else at? <laughs> and um, and so you know, in that regard, I think there's it's it's literally the same step for both sides. It's just a matter of you know understanding like where is your drop in point because every every idea and this is sort of like one of the tenets of our our new website and our new sort of direction every idea has an origin and that's clear like we can there's no debate about that but not every idea has an equal or clear next step mm-hmm. and so that is the great work to discern what that is yeah pj thank you for joining thanks for sharing this wealth of wisdom <laughs> with us i think this conversation was awesome 
grateful you made time for us. No, thank you guys so much for having me here. I mean, I've looked on from afar, you know, for so many years at, you know, just what you guys do. I think your taste is out of this world. And so it's just cool to hear the journey that you guys have been on over the last few years with finding focus. So it's, it was just cool to talk about that today. Cause I feel like you guys really are living the journey, Sure, but you're still along the journey. Um, yeah, so yeah, I hope to be also practicing what I preach and I'll keep you guys updated if I make a movie with Tom Cruise soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks dude. That's awesome, man. Thanks for coming. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we did making it. Thanks for listening and joining in on our conversation. Brave Talks is an extension of Brave View, an online learning platform for creative professionals. For more resources on the business of creativity, head over to brave.university. There you'll find articles, downloads, and courses to help you unlock better work through better process. If you like our podcast, it'd mean a lot to us if you gave us a quick rating and a review on whichever podcasting app you use. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you are notified as soon as the next episode is released.